Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Chief Performance Engineer at State Space, Taylor Johnson. Thanks for tuning in to episode 261 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So I promised a couple of weeks ago uh, in a tweet and then on last week's episode with Scott Guyette that there will be a non-traditional guest, well, a guest from a non-traditional sport on this week's episode. So this week's episode features Taylor Johnson, who works as a performance consultant in esports. So a really, really interesting area that I just couldn't get enough of, as you'll probably well, you will definitely hear it in this episode. Just couldn't get enough of it. The pure excitement for the potential opportunities for coaches to get in. And it's, for me, it's just a ripe opportunity and a huge opportunity to um, to kind of carve a niche for yourself as an esports performance coach. So what is an esports performance coach? Well, we dive into the dive into that with um, with Taylor in this episode. We discuss the esports performance market, the leagues, the teams, the players, the demands on them on them guys and girls from across the globe. The, the tournament structure, basically everything is in a, like basically an idiot's guide, a Rob guide, Rob Pacey guide to uh, to esports. Then we have a little chat around the uh, Taylor's philosophy of performance, um, working with esports athletes, and then cognitive training, work his nutrition. Uh, philosophy and the work that he does nutritionally with these players. Also the movement and recovery stuff that go hand in hand with the, the health and well-being of these athletes, basically. So it's a super, super interesting uh, episode, which I'm sure you'll love. I'd, absolutely delight, I'd be absolutely delighted if any of you got in touch with some feedback based on this episode, or if you did want to get in touch with Taylor for more information. So enjoy this episode. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Kitman Labs. So Kitman Labs partners with leading sports teams to help them consistently achieve the highest levels of performance by increasing the impact of their data. So over 200 teams across the globe rely on Kitman Labs' performance intelligence platform to quantify the cost of performance and injury and receive the right insights at the right time. Through unique outcome-driven analytics and the most advanced athlete management system, teams can align their organizations around a shared view of what it takes to drive performance and health and move at the speed of sport to adjust and continuously improve. If you want to know more about Kitman Labs, head over to www.win.kitmanlabs.com forward slash impact. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by iMeasureU. So used by leading sports practitioners and biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field, IMU Step from iMeasureU is a dual sensor and app lower limb load monitoring tool which helps practitioners optimize return to play for running based sports. So iMeasureU have just released their new and improved waterproof sensor Blue Trident, which includes ultra-high G capabilities to quantify high-impact steps such as cutting, landing and sprinting, longer battery life to collect data all day, real-time feedback to aid immediate interventions and faster workflow so practitioners can review long training sessions within minutes of training completion. 
I Measure You, now part of Vicon, works with military, pro and collegiate coaches and athletes from around the world, including the Australian Institute of Sport, US Department of Defence and collegiate and pro teams from around the world. If you want to get to know more about I Measure You, head over to their website, imeasureyou.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at imeasureyou. So without further ado, over to the episode with Taylor Johnson. Thanks for tuning in to the Pace Performance Podcast. So this evening, I am delighted to welcome Taylor Johnson, who is the Chief Performance Engineer at State Space, which we are going to learn tons about today. And I'm super excited to get Taylor on because I know nothing about esports, and thankfully, Taylor does. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Hey, brother. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Like I say, really, really excited to get you on because there's been no one... So far in 258 episodes, who've gone anywhere near this this topic. So really excited to get into it. So just going to give us a bit of a background on yourself, education-wise, um, what you've done before, and then we'll get straight into what you're doing day-to-day and, and dive, in, dive into that world. Sure, love to. So my background is in athletic performance. I coached in college in the NFL for about 10 years. And uh, what's interesting about that, that path is it was never linear, as I think for a majority of strength coaches, it, it tends not to be. You kind of shift and pivot as you move along. And uh, one of the big things that always came to me was uh, I've told people that my passion is performance, but it's my curiosity that navigates me through the world. And so with that, that led me down a lot of different interesting tracks along this model of performance. So understanding nutrition, understanding movement, recovery. Um, sports science and all the things that kind of make up these performance models. Um, and, you know, my undergrad being in exercise physiology from UC Davis and then the master's in exercise science with rehabilitation as an emphasis, um, I was just fascinated by performance. And so finally getting to the NFL, uh, which was a which was a long road, but a very enjoyable one and being in the NFL and, and having access to all these amazing players and and tools and resources. And it was during that time that I was uh, very fortunate to wear a lot of different hats. So I worked with our sports science, worked with rehabilitation, oversaw the nutrition for our athletes. Um, and then the weight room was my bread and butter. Uh, but it was interesting because um, I always felt like it wasn't the end all be all for me, and which was quite, quite interesting because I know a lot of coaches, once they get to the NFL or get to the upper echelon, it's you know, a little claw and scratch to stay there. However, I just felt that uh, there was there was something else out there, and for me, it's always been about promoting health and wellness to millions of people worldwide. And so we went through uh, two coaching changes. The second second turnover, I knew we weren't going to make it through. And so with that, I started looking for areas to pivot. And I said, okay, well, I could stay in the NFL. The NFL will always be there, but what else is out there? And so I started to hit up a lot of my mentors and colleagues whom I trusted, and really just try to look at the landscape, just knowing that. I still want to do something performance related, but I've always been entrepreneurial minded, you know, what's out there. And one of my good buddies, who's a CEO of a tech company up in Toronto, he just kind of off, offhandedly said, well, you should check out eSports. And I was like, what is that? Well, I'll, I'll take a step back. I knew what it was, but I didn't realize how big it had gotten. And so when I started to really dive in and unpack it and ask the questions I would of any other traditional sport team, you know, what does the overall structure look like? What are the, the strategies or what are the tactics of how games are structured? And then also looking at from an organization standpoint, you know, coaches, travel, uh, practice schedules, everything, 
I realize that there are way more similarities than differences. However, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest voids that I saw was there's nobody talking about the health and wellness or the long-term player development of these individuals. And so I said, okay, if no one's doing it, then I will. And so I jumped in and that was about three years ago and I haven't looked back. Superb. So you asked yourself them kind of questions of what's the gaming structure look like? What do these matches look like? What's the travel schedule? What's the infrastructure amongst these teams? So there is teams, but what are, just give us a bit of a, an overview of where these teams are based, what their kind of support structure looks like maybe three years ago versus what they look like now. And then the, maybe the, a bit on the schedule for these guys. I just want to know that the, the infrastructure of this industry yeah sure so it's it's changed quite a bit and it continues to evolve and that's one of the exciting things about it is it's more or less um it's a pretty blank canvas in that there's it's so young it's still in its infancy where there's a lot that could be done in a positive way to create uh, a much more uh, robust performance model Whereas in traditional sports, I mean, you got a lot of the old heads and people, it's always been done a specific way. And so when I first got into esports, one of the questions I asked was, you know, are you successful because of or in spite of everything you've done? Which in traditional sports, you probably wouldn't get an answer. Or if you did, it takes a long time. It's very hard to answer. Uh, But in esports, what I found when I asked that question is, again, it's hard to answer, but they were way more receptive to be like, okay, well, what do you got? Because um, at the basic level, they're curious. And so when you look at the, the overall infrastructures of these teams, it depends on the types of games. So there's first-person shooters. There's MOBAs, which are basically you know, multiplayer arena battles where it's five versus five or six versus six. Um, it really kind of depends on the construct. There's fighting games as well. Uh, and there's just very deep-level strategy. And so for different organizations, um, they're all over the world. And they'll have uh, maybe specific games or genres that they're interested in, in, in having be a part of the organization. And then they'll have a coach, they'll have an analyst, they'll have players on staff, they'll have a player manager that'll travel with the players. Uh, and the travel schedules, depending on the game, can be quite brutal. I almost think of them as special operators where they'll have a deployment, where they'll, from a North American team, will go overseas to Europe, they'll be on a you know, four-week tournament cycle, They'll bounce around from country to country. They'll come back for two weeks. They're back out there for eight. They're back for four. And it's it's pretty chaotic in that sense, depending on the game. And then nowadays, um, you have these franchise slots, which the majority of them are based out of, out of Los Angeles in California, where you have uh, the Overwatch League. You have the LCS, which is the League of, Le- League of Legends Championship Series. And these are full-on seasons of, of gameplay where they have franchise teams, uh, regionally localized, and they're playing full-on competitions uh, with with pretty extravagant seasons. So these guys are not affiliated to one. <clears throat> excuse me, not affiliated to one team. They'll have one team that's competing in a certain competition, and they will travel to another team to compete in something else. Is that right? No. So they're locked in with the team. So okay. they're traveling to different tournaments. Yeah. Okay. So there'll be different tournaments. Uh, well, they'll go and they'll have qualifying rounds. And so basically they're just trying to continue to qualify. So there's land tournaments where it's actual on-site. Um, well, they'll sell out arenas to, to compete on stage for that, or they'll have online tournaments where, you know, they'll be remote. So 
what's interesting is a lot of the teams and more and more teams are starting to be localized into one area, but there's still a majority of the teams where uh, they're pretty spread out. So they're all, they're all working remote rather because they all have internet access. So you'll have uh, teams spread across the country or spread across the world really. And the only time they come together would be when they're competing at an on-site lantern. And age demographic, how young are we talking? I suppose, and how old are we talking? Sure. So a typical age range for pro athlete is you're looking at 17 to 18 to about 26 years old. So much, I suppose, much like the age range you'd be working with in, I suppose, younger end NFL or any other? Sure. Yeah, what's interesting is uh, the average length of career for a professional gamer is around two to four years in length, which is pretty shocking when you think about the when you think about the correlation with like American football, where it's you know two to three years, but that's because there's incredible uh, incredible output that happens from a physical standpoint, and that's why that could be one of the reasons why they're no longer to continue a career and just the competition is so high. So for a professional video gamer to only compete for two to four years, to have that be considered their prime, their prime time, you know, in their early 20s, is pretty interesting. And that's, that's why I've always, I've always been fascinated by neuroscience. But once I started getting into gaming and started to understand cognitive load and periodization and how allostatic load comes into play with that, um, that's a huge area that, that comes into play. Interesting. Super, super interesting. So let, let's dive into demands that these guys go through. We've covered covered off a few, well, not covered off, but mentioned a few in terms of travel, in terms of the cognitive load that these guys have been um, exposed to. But let's have a look at the, the kind of all-round day-to-day workings of these guys. What have these guys been put through from a physical, mental, emotional um, state? Sure. Yeah, I mean, typically... Um, so we'll take, uh, we'll take the LCS, uh, professional teams. So that's League of Legends. It's a five versus five deep strategy game. Um, it's, it's kind of like the most badass game of chess you can think of where the composition of the, of the characters and, um, what they're able to construct, you know, the compositions refer to the types of characters or the, the heroes that they choose for that match is very, very methodical. Um, but typically what they have is they'll have a, like a starting roster and an academy team. So kind of like an A squad, B squad. And they'll practice anywhere between two to three scrim blocks. So scrim blocks are their practice blocks, and those could be two to three hours in length. And they'll do that pretty consistently every day. Their matches are, are on Saturday, Sunday. Um, and so what they'll do is they'll sometimes periodize their training. The more conversations I have with teams, they're starting to think about that a little bit more methodically. But they'll have, you know, two to three screen blocks per day. Uh, they'll have an off day, like on a Monday, where they'll just watch film. They'll have their analysts come in. They'll kind of break down the games and the tactics, what happened. Uh, but so you'll find that they'll come in. They'll start their days around, like, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. They'll be sitting and competing or practicing for two to three hours. They'll have a break. They'll have lunch. They'll come back. And that's simply how the day goes. And most of these players will – continue to play afterwards, they'll stream. So huge money in streaming with Twitch, and now Mixer is a big platform as well. So a lot of them have partners and um, you know sponsorship from outside of the team. That's how they're making a lot of their money as well. 
So they have obligations to stream at specific times during the day to get viewerships and to help promote the product that they're being sponsored by. So from a from a from a daily daily load, they're under a lot cognitively. Physically, I mean people will kind of balk at it for for them sitting down, but that's incredibly taxing when you have to sit for long periods of time and perform a very high cognitive output. Uh, Nutrition-wise, um, a lot of teams are doing a better job. They'll have in-house chefs, depending on the training facility or back when they used to have gaming houses, they'll have a chef come in and cook two meals a day for them. So the so nutrition's getting better. And then the emotional load, this is one I always talk about with, with teams and organizations, is, is giving them some time to breathe. A lot of these kids, and they are just kids, come into this 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 fandom or this this fame rather. And you know, they're 17, 18 years old, they're now making six-figure contracts, they're playing tournaments for millions of dollars, and there's it's not a very smooth transition into that. So now more and more teams are starting to think about how to balance out all these different stressors and factors to create a more uh, sustainable player development program. Just a couple of, well, there's loads of questions off the back of that, but we'll go with streaming um, to start with. So they're just playing online where people basically watch them playing and they're plugging a product every so many minutes or whatever because they're sponsored and people actually pay or donate to watch these guys play. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, I, I feel about 100 years old talking about this. No, it's it's that's it, man. It's, okay. it's crazy money in that. It's wild. It blows me away. And people like, you know, the whole donation or the, the, there's like gifting and, I mean, I've heard stories of, of players playing like a first-person shooter and making like a trick shot, like a headshot off something. And, you know, Prince overseas, you know, some guy from like Abu Dhabi is like, hey, great shot, give him 50 grand. You know, like it's nothing. <laughs> it's like, wow. You know, Class. Like, what am I doing? I should start streaming. Yeah. Wowza. So these, so these guys that get to their peak at whatever, 21, how long have they – not only been playing have they been playing since like eight seven yeah well i'll, I'll correct you real quick i don't think they reached their peak at 21 okay I think that's just what's been what's been said yep and i i don't believe that at all i think people's primes can go well beyond that um i will say like the way the structure set up a cognitive burnout like burnout is a very real thing so when you ask them about their why the careers are only two to four years in length they'll say it's burnout and that's when you have to start unpacking what that means to them because it's not a physical burnout, it's a cognitive burnout. Um, so they'll start gaming when they're, you know, early teens. And it's, it's interesting because the question becomes, you know, we talk about specialization. So do you play a lot of different types of games or do you just play one game specialized like Tiger Woods? You know, or are you like a Roger Federer where you're kind of like all over the place playing different games and then you slowly kind of fall into tennis? Right. So that's that's a big question um, that brings up a lot of interesting conversations around recruiting and talent identification and selection and what goes into that, because right now it's lacking. So let's have a little dive into this, this cognitive load. How are you guys? Obviously, because it's, it's such a big thing. How are you guys periodizing it? And how are you measuring what like, how are you measuring this? Yeah, great questions. So, you know, with cognitive load, essentially what it is, is it's just allostatic load. So it's just understanding all of these other factors that are, that are triggering the system. And then the allostasis is your ability to adapt to that type of stress. And so being more methodical on how you set up your practice days, like, hey, you don't have to play the game six to eight hours a day, sometimes 12 hours a day, every single day. 
So it may be as simple as creating, I pull a lot of my inspiration from my traditional background and working backwards from game day, you know? So it's like whether you do like a high low and adapting that model to fit into the context of esports, of understanding high, high days and low days. And what does that look like? And what fills in the gaps? So you may have an eight hour work day where on one day it's, you know, two to three hours of, uh, you know, three scrim blocks that kind of make up that six to nine hour actual training day. And the next day you may have an hour, eight hour work day, but you're only practicing for two to three hours. And the rest of that's filled in with some sort of physical activity, some, some sort of derivative of the game itself. So that's one of the interesting things about state space and what we do with that training platform is we're creating practice scenarios and derivatives of the competitive exercise itself or in this case, competitive tasks, right? So we're working backwards from what's happening in game and then creating specialized training scenarios for them to practice. So it's all about balancing different variables. It's all the same stuff, quite honestly. It's, it's volume, density, intensity, and frequency, and how you manipulate those variables on a day-to-day basis is going to give you the best outcomes. So just dive into that. Just explain that a little bit further, creating scenarios that they're going to be exposed to in-game. Yeah. So, for instance, like I know the I know the first person shooters a bit better than I do with the other other games like the MOBAs, like the um, the Dota twos, which is another five versus five uh, strategy game in the League of Legends. Uh, but I've worked in all of them. Um, but with State Space, we specialize right now in the first person shooters. So, for instance, there's different training maps that you can have, and as you navigate these maps, there's different types of skills you want to develop and. For first-person shooters, it really comes down to speed, precision, accuracy, and reaction time for hitting a target. And so you can come up with specialized training scenarios that can mimic uh, in-game performance. So if you want to practice your sniper shots, we have scenarios to do that. And we can also create maps that can mimic specific maps of in-game. So really, it's like if you have football and you have small-sided games, to mimic certain scenarios, it's the same exact thing. So what we're doing is just creating small-sided games and practice scenarios. So like in basketball, how you practice your free throw and your three-point shots, we do the same thing. So sorry, sorry to mention it if you if you've covered it already and I've missed it while I've been taking a few notes. So if you were if you worked in the NFL and you wanted to look at external load, you'd put the guys you put the GPS on the guys back. Looking at internal load, you'd put a heart rate monitor on how yeah. are you is there any tech that you're using that's managed man, measuring the cognitive load that these guys are exposed to yeah so that's pretty tricky right now so that's one of the things we're really trying to look at so we have over a million users playing our game and tons of data points and we're capturing everything and that's one of the interesting things about gaming and esports is you're playing on a computer and therefore you can capture all of this data outside of like the biofeedback stuff, right? So a lot of the physiological data, heart rate, you know, perspiration, stuff like that, you can't necessarily capture, although, you know, I want to get to that point. So a lot of what we're looking at is starting to use subjective questionnaires and asking them post, post-task, you know, on RPE scale, like how was that? And just trying to get an understanding of per, per that individual on that day, with that amount that they experienced, whether it was, you know, the density of how many games they played per hour or how many games they played overall in that day, like how did that feel for them? So right now it's, it's kind of rudimentary and it's, 
it's actually accelerating once we start looking at different means of capturing that because we can look at, so you, you mentioned GPS. So same thing where you have, um, you know, extensive tempo and uh, sprints, right? And you're looking at the amount of yardage covered within those relative speed zones. We could do something similar where we're looking at, okay, well, how many actions, so density is like actions per minute. So how many keystrokes, how many clicks happen within this time frame? So we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Taylor. Hope you're enjoying part one. As you can hear, I'm absolutely loving this chat. Uh, and in part two, we discuss more of the physical side of things and the physical work that Taylor's getting to do, getting the um, esports players that he works with to do, which is very much around health and well-being rather than true sports performance. But there's there's a lot of similarities with the work that he's done in the NFL, um, as he's mentioned a couple of times. So it's a really interesting part two coming up. We also discuss some of the data that gets generated and more pretty stupid questions from me just been interested in esports and getting the the lay of the land with um with this area of the industry but just before we do get into part two with taylor i just want to say a big thanks to black box fitness for sponsoring this episode today so if you are interested in a full gym fit out these guys are the experts when it comes to performance facilities. So if you're looking for a full gym fit out or just extra bits to add to what you've already got, dumbbells, plates, bars, etc., definitely check out the website. So it's blkboxfitness.com. They will ship to Europe, to the UK. Um, they're based in Belfast. They'll ship anywhere, anywhere that's needed. And definitely have a little check out of their Instagram because there's some of their most recent projects on there. And they can be found on all social channels at BLK Box Fitness. Also, big thanks to Hawking Dynamics for also sponsoring this episode today. So Hawking Dynamics offer the world's first wireless force plate testing system. So the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So you're able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud-based system from anywhere in the world. So as I've mentioned, the Hawking Dynamics force plates are wireless, which means they're portable, and they're also trusted by teams at a number of different levels in a number of different sports. So integrating force plates into your athlete monitoring system uh, could not be easier and more affordable. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about Hawking Dynamics or actually see their plates in action, Head over to the website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, um, which you can do, I and mean, you can also schedule a demo, and follow them on Twitter at hawkingdynamics. So, is is all this data like accuracy data, etc.? Is it all provided by the game, or is that something supplementary that you would provide then? It's all it's all provided by our game. So that's, I mean, our platform is super slick. Where as soon as you're done playing. It gives you instant feedback. It tells you your, your speed, uh, reaction time, your precision, your accuracy. Uh, the AI component that's built into it will actually curate your training experience. So based upon, you know, once you play a certain number of times, it starts to learn your tendencies. And so it'll tell you whether you have deficiencies in your right or left side uh, field of vision. And it'll start to auto-populate targets in those areas to start to correct those deficiencies without you even knowing it. And then it'll start to recommend and suggest specific tasks to, um, to really start curating, to continue to push you to, to excel and perform at your highest. This is absolutely wild. 
this is absolutely wild. Um, so let's let's talk about the, the physical side of things because I've watched a couple of kind of documentary style videos of of with film crews in in the gym that when you're working with these guys, what kind of stuff are you doing with them? Is it like you said at the very start? Is it very much just a a health and well being um, program, or is there something more specific that you're working on with these? Yeah, so I think you know, big picture, it's it's health and wellness. You know, I think one of the biggest the biggest opportunities that I, I never lose sight of is we have a phenomenal opportunity to promote health and wellness to millions of people worldwide through gaming. You know, who would have thought? And what, what it's doing is it's actually reaching millions and millions of individuals where they're at. So a lot of people play games casually and a lot of people would love to be a pro gamer on some level or at least improve their performance. If they don't have aspirations to be a professional gamer, that's great. But a lot of them want to improve their ranking. It's a highly competitive environment. And so what I'm doing is really a Trojan horse. I'm saying, hey, I can help you game better and I can improve your gaming performance. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I'll teach you how to eat and be healthy. And so that's always been an underlying theme for me. And that's what really drives me and excites me is I know I'm reaching millions of people with these programs and with this, with this platform. And the hope is to get them all to think a little bit differently about their health and wellness and performance. And so when you think about addressing the individual who's an adaptive individual, right? It, it's really trying to think, okay, it's like the Charlie Francis watch the player, not the game. So you realize that they're sitting down for long periods of time. They typically have upper and lower cross syndrome. So forward head position, rounded shoulders, uh, their hips are super gummed down and tight. They, some of them experience low back pain, their glutes are shut off. So it's addressing that from a movement standpoint. Uh, from a nutrition standpoint, it's just understanding how to, how to manage insulin and cortisol because those are directly related, right? And so having foundational foods, understanding supplements, um, sleep and recovery, just I mean, the lowest hanging fruit, no pun intended, is nutrition, and then get them to sleep better. And that's, that's where we really start the conversation first and foremost. And then from the physical side, just really get them, to, get them to, to move a little bit more. And then that'll slowly compound into getting them to actually training. And I've had very good, very good experiences with our academy teams and a lot of our pro teams who start off training two days a week, and they're training three. And then they're four and then they're in there, you know, five, six days a week. This is when I had a facility out here in Frisco, Texas with uh, the organization that brought me out here. We had an entire training facility dedicated for our players. And we had guys that were coming in. We had an all Danish team that looked like freaking tight ends and wide receivers. And they loved training. <laughs> they got after it, man. And it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I've got this image in my head, as I'm, pro- I'm sure other people have as well, of kind of a – a geeky 18-year-old who maybe has never been in the gym and would never even think about that. Is that the case, or am I being disrespectful there? No, I think that's fair to say on some level, but it's a sliding scale, right? There's a lot of pro players that are former athletes. Uh, and then there's okay. a lot of players that um, you know have never never really had an interest into, into uh, any sort of athletic endeavor. And I think that's where... That's really where it's fun, right? It's creating a conversation that bridges the gap between what has been done before and what could be possible. And so you take this uh, approach to where it all starts with a conversation and be like, hey, 
what have been the biggest things that have kept you from pursuing health and wellness? What I found in talking to hundreds of gamers and working with a bunch um, on a daily basis is it's really three things. It was a lack of knowledge, a lack of resources, and a lack of confidence. And so if you can give them the first two, the confidence just comes. And so that's been a big, uh, a big initiative is the education and then providing them the resources to then execute on that information. It, it seems, to, <clears throat> excuse me. It seems to me like when you compare it to NFL, for instance, you've got guys who are athletic guys, and you're trying to get them to go in the gym. And obviously, 258 podcasts over the last five years tells you that should be really easy, but yeah, it's not. Right? <laughs> um, but does it make it easier because these guys are so far removed? There is such an opportunity, and it doesn't actually take like these are intelligent guys, these and girls they can see that that opportunity is huge given, like you say, quite a few of them have never been into or had any athletic endeavors. Yeah, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, <clears throat> but then if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. I think really it's, it's the conversation that just hasn't been had yet in esports, but now it's starting to be more prevalent, is really addressing it from uh, performance and longevity. And that's, that's what – I mean, hook, line, and sinker, that's what it got my athletes bought in. And don't, don't get me wrong, it took me about four to six months to earn their trust. I was a guy coming from the NFL with no gaming experience. They all looked me up on Twitter. I don't have a very big Twitter following. Like, okay, do you stream? What's your game? Why should I listen to you? They listened a little bit because I came from the NFL, so that helped. Uh, but really, the conversation I had was like, look, this is about your performance and longevity. That means more money for you and more money for your family. Nobody had ever talked to them like that. And so a light bulb went off for them because they realized their window of this quote-unquote in their prime is a very short one. So if they can extend that length of their career, well, then, yeah, that's more money in their pockets. And these are just kids, right? So educating them on what the potential could be. And I was like, look, you know, what if I told you reaching your true potential was just the beginning? You know, then that opens up all of these opportunities to where you can really put the pedal to the metal and have some fun with it. And so addressing them from a standpoint like, okay, well, that starts with your brain because your brain is your moneymaker. Everything was geared towards cognitive performance. So it's like, I can help you think more clearly, improve your reaction time, um, clear up the mental fog. How does that sound? I'm like, yeah, how do we do that? I'm like, perfect. Sleep a little bit better, eat a little bit better. You know, and I think if you can, um, and that wasn't an easy conversation either, but it happened naturally over time as they started to see that. I mean, I was there every single day. I was the first one there, last one to leave. You know, the way we had our facility set up, and I'm talking about out in Texas now because I worked for Infinite Esports Entertainment. At the time, we were the largest esport organization in the world with five professional organizations, 15 pro teams, a developmental academy. Then I built out a performance department to support all of those teams. And so I was the first one there, last one to leave. And we were all practicing and, and training in the same facility. So they saw me every day. And I'd go sit in their scrims. You know, I'd watch them play. I'd sit in their VOD reviews. And I'd listen to them talk. And be like, okay, now let's go get a training session in. You know, and slowly reel them in. Um, and really, it's about addressing their cognitive output or just their brain in general. You know, it's like, hey, if you can sleep a little bit more, that's going to help. If you can eat a little bit better, that's definitely going to help. But guess what? If you move your body that's going to help. It's going to help your longevity. It's going to help your performance. Is there anything specifically on top of the 
the kind of big rocks, I would say, in terms of the recovery and like sleep and nutrition. Anything specifically for these guys, given the, like you say, the, like you said before, the, the cognitive load that these are exposed to every day. Is there anything yeah. specific in terms of recovery that you're doing with these guys? Yeah, you know? totally. It's all about managing cortisol. I mean, the guys that really bought in and we were able to get dialed in, I mean, those are the guys I would grab. Like, all right, let's go do a blood panel. Let's understand four-point cortisol, you know, saliva, and look at what their cortisol curve looked like, and then interventions with nutrition, supplements, exercise, and really get them dialed in. I mean, that's where that's where you get the best results is when you have the guys go all in, like, all right, what do I need to do? And a lot of that just comes into understanding the HPA axis and how that's triggered on a day-to-day basis and just the impacts of cortisol. You know, and with cortisol, you're going to have decrease in DHEA, you're going to have memory loss, cravings, midday fatigue, um, you know, hormone alterations, but then just causes a cascade of uh, a number of different influences on the body. So by addressing the big rocks and then really dialing in on the small things on managing insulin and cortisol, we had a lot of really good success. I, I, I'd imagine that these, these alcohol athletes, these athletes are super interested in the the data that that you would collect on the on that where their sleep on their nutrition is that the case yeah they want yeah, to know mean, exactly they're all, what's they're going all on numbers driven yeah they're all driven by stats i mean so like they're talk about twitch and they're streaming like they're they look at their youtube stats they look at their their stats from from streaming you know how many viewerships they had uh you know, how well their tweets are doing and, and then their in-game performance too. It's like, how, you know, kill to death ratio. They're looking at a number of different stats on a daily basis. And so then it becomes kind of like the same conversation or the same problem you run into uh, is how do you convey that information in a meaningful way and then offer interventions at stick. And what I come up with on a routine basis for individuals is, is BAMs, like what is your bare ass minimum that we can do that's gonna help push the needle and give you some sort of improvement. So first off that you feel better, but then you also perform better. Cool. So I just wanna give a bit of a shout out to to Chaps over at Push for making an introduction yeah. to, to you, Taylor, because I, I really appreciate the, the introduction, the opportunity to speak to you. And it's an interesting time, especially over here, and I'm guessing the same over there with the state of the jobs market for strength and conditioning, for performance coaches, sports scientists, whatever you want to call it. And this is, and I always say there's there's huge opportunities out there just to have, if you have an open mind, and this is a perfect scenario. But as we were talking before I hit record, what is the opportunity like for people outside the States? Just give us a bit of a, whatever kind of information you have on the, the size of this and the potential for people like yourself, not only in the States, but Asia, Europe, the UK? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a blue ocean. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that because I can't do it all. And one of the big, one of the big movers for me, along with promoting health and wellness, is creating more opportunities for other individuals and creating a strong foundation of what's to come for this next generation of performance coaches, which are going to be Esport performance coaches. And that is a thing. And it is because there's a handful of individuals in the States, there's some overseas. Um, you know, the infrastructure overseas, I think we talked about this before the podcast, is, you know, e- gaming and esports is way bigger outside the States as it is in the States. 
I mean, if you look at uh, Asia and Southeast Asia and Europe, I mean, it, it is all over. I mean, the, the first-person shooter community is massive over in Europe. Uh, they have major, major tournaments and World Series that happened out there. Um, Korea is one of the largest. I mean, it's like a mecca of gaming and esports. And then you have China, who is really getting involved. And there's tons. Of, I mean, I think Asia, China has its own. Uh, it's called the LPL. It's the, the Chinese version of the LCS, which is North America. And then there's also a European LCS as well. So the opportunities are out there. And to your point too, it's just, it's just looking at it through a different perspective and just being curious. I mean, I'm, I take a lot of pride and love that like, I'm just super curious, man. And I ask questions and don't ever hesitate to reach out. That's always what I encourage people is it never hurts to ask. And I get hit up a lot by, uh, by coaches, both in traditional sport and people coming out of college that are like, hey, I don't want to go the traditional route. Like, what's going on in esports? I'm like, hey, man, come along. Let's go. Because it's, um, it's exciting and it's fun. I mean, the one thing that – well, there's many things that I love about it, but one of the things that really stands out to me the most is, I mean, I get to take everything that I've learned and just twist it and mold it and bend it and break it and see what works and what doesn't. And it, it's, it's, a, it's in an industry and a time where you can do that. It's a blank canvas and the conversations, people are way more receptive and be like, okay, well, what do you got? Does it work? Yes or no? Let's try it. And that's, that's fun. And that's, that's something that I really enjoy. And that's why working with State Space has been so phenomenal. It's Wayne, our CEO. I'll just talk a little bit about State Space because I just want to make sure that of course. They, they get, the, they, they get the, the pub that they deserve. I mean, Wayne, our CEO, is absolutely brilliant. So he's a neuroscientist from, from NYU, uh, MMA background. He was a pro fighter, uh, terrible student growing up. And he, like, he's got a couple podcasts where he talks about a story I'll just briefly touch on it where he hated school. And it wasn't until uh, he, but he loved coding. He loved gaming. So he taught himself how to code. And he, by off chance, went back to community college. He got kicked out of school and then went back to a community college and by off chance took a neuroscience class. And that was it. And then he became a neuroscientist for NYU, actually discovered a couple of different regions of the brain, did a whole bunch of different visual mapping. I mean, he's absolutely brilliant. And he's a badass coder. And so he's, he developed this game, State Space or Aim Lab, which is our first person shooter game while he was doing his PhD and started a company uh, not too long after. And our chief science officer, David Heger, is one of the top 30 most influential neuroscientists of our time and National Academy of Science, uh, every award you can think of, absolutely brilliant and just an amazing individual when it comes to how he thinks about machine learning and AI. And so you sit in these meetings and I think one of the things that I appreciate is everybody's so open to share information. Like we sit in these science calls and I was telling you before the podcast, it's like I got two ears and one mouth. I just shut up and listen. You know, it's like, it's one of those things where I'm like, all right, this is just really cool. The grants that we're going after, we're in a whole, we're not just gaming. You know, we're actually uh, healthcare too, looking at stroke rehab. We're going after a couple of grants right now to help stroke rehab because a lot of the psychomotor tasks that we have built into our game, um, it's all the same cognitive assessments and tools that you'd find in a lab, but we just build it into the game. It's actually fun to play. So there's a huge healthcare play with what we're doing as well. So it's, it's not just game, it spans well beyond that. The opportunities for you guys sounds absolutely endless. Yeah, absolutely it's pretty exciting. Endless. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and that's Wayne's vision. 
you know, it's, again, it's, I'm just uh, incredibly grateful to be a part of the ride and, and, and be able to contribute my knowledge and expertise, which I continue to develop, you know, in terms of looking at load management and say, okay, well, what fits and what doesn't. So it's, it's quite easy to determine how many job opportunities are, say, in the UK in football, for instance, 92 teams. Say everyone's got, obviously, one senior team that requires an average of two. They're, they Therefore, you've got 180-odd potential jobs in first-team professional football. On estimate, how how many opportunities do you think there are? How many teams are there, by the way? Is that an easy answer to uh, give, or is, is no. it? <clears throat> yeah. okay. Okay. No, I mean, I'd say so because they – so for the franchise spots – in LA, gosh, you know, I should know this, but I don't offhand. There's at least uh, like eight or ten teams in one of the franchises, but they have an expansion now too. So it's kind of hard to say. For like the big franchises in the States, um, it's hard to say. It continues to grow. Overseas, I have no idea. The one thing okay. I'll say though is, you know, while there's an opportunity, like a lot of it is you have to go make that opportunity. 100%. Like, yeah. It, it's. There are teams that are now heavily invested and well-funded that are starting to realize that they need to take care of the health and wellness of their players because that is their biggest investment. Their ROI is going to come from their players performing well. So it's reaching out. It's, it's, I get hit up a lot about, hey, well, how do I get into esports? I'm like, well, first, look who's in your area. Look what teams, because I don't know. There's, there's club teams. There's like college scholarships in the States now, you know, so like 150 colleges now have full-blown esports scholarships. Wow. High schools now have club teams. Um, so just look at what's the equivalent overseas or wherever in your, in your region and say, okay, well, what's out there? Start the conversation. And again, it never hurts to ask. I mean, one of the big things that I want to do is create a, for my own side, for my own thing is, you know, create a platform where, those types of questions can be easily answered. It's like, hey, here's a database, or here's a network of all the performance coaches. Here are all of the potential opportunities in whatever region you're at. You know, like, let's get you hooked up and find a job. Nice. That's the entrepreneurial side of you coming out again, Taylor? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, definitely. I mean, that it's also want to help other people. It's like, I, I feel like a lot of people that come up in strength conditioning, it's kind of like this, it's almost like this brotherhood or it's a family of sorts. We know how that grind is. And so being able to offer some sort of opportunity or pivot and be like, Hey, there are other opportunities out there outside of the typical grind, traditional sports. Don't get me wrong. It's still a grind in esports, but it's a very different grind. Mm-hmm. It is what you make it right. Gosh. Um, so just affording those opportunities to other people and passing along, I mean, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. So I'd be very, be very selfish to not say hey like come check this out and get a part of it so i just know there's going to be lots of questions from people who are listening who would love to reach out what's the best place for people to reach out and uh, have a little chat more about this yeah uh great question i would say i'm kind of old school like linkedin i really enjoy linkedin uh twitter twitter's good too so at coach t underscore johnson um Find me on LinkedIn too. I can give you that for the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, reach out, shoot me a DM or hit me up on LinkedIn. Let's connect. And uh, any and all questions you have, you know, if you get, get hit up with emails afterwards, you know, we can circle back and we can answer some of those as well. Yeah. 
Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, I've kept you with 45 minutes, Taylor, but really appreciate you taking the time because I know you're a very, very, very busy man on the road, plenty of projects going on. So really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat. Of course. It's been an absolute pleasure and um, incredibly grateful for the opportunity to come on and, and, uh, and chat with you. Absolutely. The pleasure's all mine. Trust me. It's been great to chat, but we'll keep in touch and um, good luck with what's, what's coming in the future and, uh, and we'll chat soon. Sounds good, brother. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Thanks for tuning in to episode 261 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So I was certainly excited to get Taylor on to discuss esports and esports performance. So I hope you enjoyed this chat with Taylor and I asked the right questions and got as much info on esports out of Taylor as I could. So big thanks to him for giving up his time and being so open with the stuff that he's doing at State Space and working with these um, with these athletes. So also big thanks to Hawking Dynamics, I Measure You, Blackbox and Kitman Labs. So if you are interested in knowing more about what Taylor does and the esports performance market, he did give out his um, his details in the episode, but if you are wanting to reach out and want to reach out via me, I'd be happy to put you in touch. So thanks a lot for tuning into this very, very interesting episode, and I will chat to you next week.